Hello, I'm Jeff Johnston, host of the Living Undeterred podcast, and today I have a, a great guest. Um, just got done reading her book, uh, Freedom, Seven Steps to Thrive in Life and Business. Who doesn't want to do that, right? Tina Kadish, thanks for being on the show, and I'm excited to talk to you about your book and about a lot of other things that we talked about uh, a few weeks ago. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. This is a pleasure and honor to be here to share to your listeners about my book and messaging and hope that it will resonate with some of your listeners. Now you're in the uh, greater New York area, is that right? Or I am. I'm in the greater New York in the Danbury, Connecticut area. Okay. You've been there your whole life? I have been in Connecticut all my life, believe it or not. I've traveled outside of Connecticut, but uh, I've always lived here. Yeah, I, I've been out there a few times. I know in our tour, we have stops, obviously, in every state coming up. Uh, and I'm not sure in Connecticut if we have ironed out a spot. But um, I actually was on the phone today with an individual from uh, the East Coast out there in the in the Maryland area that okay. is um, interested in helping us on the tour. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. But yeah. I want to talk a little bit about, a lot about today, about your book, because... First of all, I want to congratulate you on making it an easy read. <laughs> good, someone with good. attention deficit, you know, a book that's this thick with, with, you know, just intense chapters and stuff can't hold my attention. But your book is is short, concise. It's a quick read. I think today with the way everybody's in a fast food world, uh, those type of books are a little more effective. So when you thought about writing your book, was, was that one of your ideas was to keep it pretty short and simple? It did. I was. I wanted it uh, simple, and but I wanted it also to be a book that people can walk away with action steps. In each chapter, there's action steps that people can apply and really use it as not just a book that they're going to read and put it on a shelf and gather dust, that they're actually going to take some action because I believe it's all about taking action. Yeah, it is. I mean, we all listen to motivational podcasts and we read things and then we put them down and then we go back to our couch and go to watch Netflix. And then we go to bed and get up and go through our routine. Next thing you know, you're like, damn, you know, a month went by and nothing's happened. It's like, you know, what, what are the action steps? And I know when I, when I was a practicing financial advisor, which, you know, I'm, I'm not anymore. I still own the company, but I don't see clients anymore. We always talked about clients taking action, you know, you know, you say you want to save for retirement. You say you want to pay on your bills. You say you want to set aside money for uh, college for your children you know what are your action steps and and we we kind of came to the consensus tina that having a plan a financial plan was the glue to everything and do you i know you don't have a financial plan in in the world you're in but you have the equivalent of a financial plan right yes i do and i and i agree with you everybody should have a plan and so my book it's really a plan for your life. How will you plan to thrive? What will you do? And too many of us, what I have found is a lot of people are just staying in one place. They're miserable. They're unhappy with their careers, their life. They're not making money in their business. But there's they're not making changes. They're staying in the same place. And so I really believe that when you take action, you're moving in the right direction. And you're not just sitting, doing nothing like you had mentioned on a couch and just hoping that things are gonna get better. It begins with making a decision that you want things to get better. 
but how will I do it is so important. So yeah, having every, a plan. Every choice you make has a consequence. And, yes, it does. You know, I, I do this each day when I'm thinking, okay, I want to run on my elliptical, you know, for an hour and 15 minutes is probably what I do normally. There's times I don't want to do it, you know. I'd rather finish that binge show I was watching or, you know, go up and make dinner or something. But there's something in me that just says, you know what, the feeling that I'm going to have. And it's it's like the five to ten minute mark is when mm-hmm. I think, all right, I made the right choice. I feel really good. I, and then I get to a minute. I go a minute 20. I go, you know, I try to keep challenged. But it's that, it's that first step. And Antarctic Mike and I, uh, Mike Pierce, who's a good friend of mine, uh, he talks about penguin steps. He's one of the first Americans to ever run an ultramarathon on the glaciers of Antarctica. Wow. Uh, like okay. 15 years ago. He's awesome story. But he talks about penguin steps. And I use hmm. that metaphor, that analogy a lot with, with my days. Like, I'm not going to get to where I want to take living on the tour or where I want to take the tour or where I want to take my podcast overnight. You know, right. I'm not going to lose weight overnight, you know. You're going to have to take penguin steps. And so when I was reading through your book, you said the seven steps to thrive in life and business. Let's let's take penguin steps mm-hmm. and let's navigate through the acronym FREEDOM, okay? Okay. How'd okay. you like that segue? <laughs> I like that. Um, I like that. <laughs> so FREEDOM, what's the F stand for? So the F stands for faith. Okay. That... So it is faith. And, you know, in the book, there is a lot of scriptures that I have. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's having, it's the foundation in life. It's believing in yourself, having that faith that you can do something, whatever it is that you want to accomplish. So it's really begins within. Can faith be, can faith be subjective? It can be subjective. It can it can be subjective. Um, for me, what it was is that I just wanted to say, okay, how can I express faith for other people? Because not everybody is going to be spiritual and believe, you know, so I wanted to make sure that I took care of that. And it's really that inner belief in yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I write about that in my book. I, I really struggled with how to talk about faith because I was coming from a trauma, a grief and trauma perspective, you know, losing a son to an overdose. And so, you know, faith to me, I was trying to relate that to the people reading the book. And I, I as I dug deeper into faith and looked into definitions and I, and I read your chapter a couple times on, on that definition. And, you know, faith does have a sense of, of, uniqueness to it you know especially if you're agnostic um if you're not a you know if i say if you're if you're not a man of god um you know your faith is not in god your faith is in man let's say you know so i think for some people that as you said so eloquently that aren't spiritual uh faith can have a different meaning to it like i have faith well in my book i write about i had faith that when the doctor prescribed adderall that my son wasn't going to get addicted you know, from that perspective, faith meant a whole different thing. I had faith in the medical profession that they were doing the right thing. Yes. So I think there's a lot of um, ways we can look at faith differently. But ultimately, if you use faith as an inspiration to 
change your life in a good way, then it shouldn't really matter how you define it. Yeah, it shouldn't matter how you define it. And, you know, as you know, I lost a daughter as yep. well. And yep. faith was, I was, my faith was tested. Because I wrote sure, this yeah. book, I wrote this book before that happened. And I had mm. to go within me to say, okay, whoa, how do I now move forward? And it's coming from a position of strength for me that, that I believe that there's a bigger purpose and so faith now for me, it's a different, it's a different meaning is that I still believe in myself mm -hmm. and that is a foundation and that it does begin with me. But now I'm looking at it that faith is really believing that there's something else coming. There's a different yeah. purpose. Right. And just believing that that's going to be, that's going to happen, but I don't know how it's going to happen. I just believe in it. I like the way you compared it to hope. Yes. You know, because yes. I do think there's a distinct difference between the two, you know. There is. Hope hope to me is, you know, crossing your fingers, closing your eyes, you know, wishing things happen in your life better. Whereas faith is like, if I keep eating healthy, I will lose weight. If I keep working out, I will look better in the mirror. If I keep reading, I'll become more educated on topics that I don't necessarily agree with. And I think faith has a little bit of undeterredness to it, a little bit of resilience to it. It's not giving up. Whereas hope, I think in a way you almost are giving up. It's almost like, geez, I hope I get better. That's right. That's right. You know, and that's one of the reasons hope. why, that's one of the reasons why I did the tour. I sat around kind of gotten tired of just hoping that mental health would get better, hoping that you know, kids would stop dying of, of overdoses or adults to stop dying. And I just said, you know what? I, I need to go out and do something. I hope it isn't working anymore, you know? Um, not that we sh shouldn't all hope. I mean, it's free. Right. But I think I, you're absolutely right because hope is, you're not taking action with hope. You're just right. hoping, but nothing's, nothing could change. But you have hope. Like when my daughter was sick, I had hoped that she was going to get better, mm -hmm. but I still needed to take action and had the faith that she was going to get better. So I believed in it and I kept moving forward. So hoping is you're staying on the sideline and not doing anything. So I applaud what you're doing, that you're not just sitting there hoping for things to get better in that in the addiction space. Do you, uh, do you talk publicly about what happened to you? I do. I do. Okay. I do with my daughter. I know yes, some I people do. are comfortable talking about it, others aren't, and I, hit, I never want to impinge on that right to do. not talk about it i do i you know lost my daughter to cancer and at mm -hmm. a young age and like i said earlier my faith was tested because i i am a believer in god and and mm -hmm. for those of you listeners whatever you believe in um is great mm -hmm. and i i was tested and but i it kept me moving after she passed away that my faith now is that there's something bigger to do in the world and how can I now help other people that have lost a child? You know, a way I've looked at this and I got this from, uh, I heard this from somebody, I can't remember who, but they said, do you believe things happen to you or do you believe things happen for you? And I think I was driving my car and some 
on some podcast because that's all I do is listen to podcasts. And some guy was some guru guy was saying this and I like stopped my car and I'm like, I got to pull over and write this down. You know, this is just so spot on to how I think one of the big problems with the mental health issue in our country and in our world is our inability to look at things that happen to us in, in a different way and to change the narrative and say, you know what? My son died of heroin. This happened for me. This didn't happen to me. My, my wife died of alcohol abuse. This happened for me. Now, what I mean by that is this. Obviously, it sucks. I cry. I hurt. I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a tortured soul in, in, by definition, but I'm not letting it control what I do every moment of each day. And the for me perspective has really made me look at death and, and things like anything that happens to me. I say to myself, Jeff, did this happen for me? And the answer is always yes, every 100% of the time. You know, you lose your job. It happened for you. you. Your girlfriend breaks up with you. It happens for you. You get divorced. It happened for you. You know, you, and again, I think this would help people not play so much woe is me, you know, the big pity parties that we have. And we're looking up at the heavens going, God, why did you take my son? You know, God didn't. Heroin laced with fentanyl did. I mean, that's pretty clear to me. Unless God's in the drug business, which I don't think he is. Um, (laughs) God didn't take my son, and God didn't do anything to make it a sign for me. It's up to me to find out my purpose and my meaning. But I know exactly why my son and my wife aren't here. It's very clear to me. You know, it it, uh, it was a set of poor choices they made. So... Back to your book on faith, I think F is a great way to start your your um, journey through your book. So let's talk about the R. Okay, let's talk what, about uh, R. So we're going to go through freedom for those people trying to understand where you and I are going with this. We just <laughs> talked about the F in her book, and that's faith. So let's talk about the R in freedom. So R is release. And release, what that means, okay. release, it's learning to let go of the outcome. So as we're talking about faith, it's things happen for us, and I do believe that things happen for us. I do. Mm-hmm. It's something that I've had to shift my own thought because the first thing we say is, why is this happening to us? So the releasing yeah. is to not control, not to want to control the outcome because we tend to want to be controlling and want the outcome to be the way we want it to be. But mm-hmm. so releasing is really letting go that Everything's going to work out the way it's meant to work out. When I got laid off from my job, I've been laid off, got divorced, lost a child. All of these things, I have to release and let go of them. Now, it's a process. I believe it's a process. It takes time. However, whatever challenge that we are faced with, it's, we got, we got, we got to, not got to, I invite everyone to really think about letting go. How can you release it? How can you let go of that? And it comes from a lot with our mindset, but mindset is the M in the word. I'm going to get into that later, but it's really coming from that point of releasing to just not being in control. And I've struggled with the letting go part because I think there's an illusion in a sense to say, I, I know I understand what people mean by you need to let it go. But in, in, this, in a specific, unique case of death, it's like, yeah, I understand that, but I don't want them to die either. And they do die if I stop talking about them. And so for me to continue 
And, and what I do is I, I call this absorption. I'm, I'm absorbing their death into my story now. It's part of my framework of my story. It's not their story anymore. It's my story. You know, they're not here. That's right. So that's right. they continue through my story. And that's how you carry on the legacy of people that have, that have predeceased us. And so letting go is interesting because if you talk to somebody who maybe has been sexually molested versus losing a child, it's a whole different thing to say to somebody, well, just let it go. You've been molested at seven years old by your cousin. Just let it go. Well, wait a minute. You know, that's, it's one thing letting go the death of a child or death of a spouse, but if something happened to you physically. So I think there's, there's a lot of dialogue there that we can benefit from having these conversations about what does let it go mean? You know, what do you really mean by let it go? You mean forget about it? You mean repress it? What do you mean? No, no, not forget about it because um, it's not forgetting about it. It's that going through the process of how can I move forward? How can I learn from this situation? Right. Okay, now being molested, yes, definitely you need help. You need to get help from, you know, from an expert. I'm not a therapist by any means. And it is really something that is so deep within us. Like, how do I let go? How do I release the anger? How do yeah. I forgive that person. I like, to... actually, I like, I like releasing better than letting go. I think releasing is a healthier, more optimistic word. Letting go almost sounds, man, I don't know. I just something about, about letting go. I just, you know, or get over it mentality. I'm not really sure those are productive in this day and age today. I think to say someone you need to, you need to release, you need to absorb and release it. So it, it's part of your story going forward but it's not weighting you down by your ankles. Right, you know? it's not. It's and, pulling and you up. You know, It's pulling you up because you're, rele you're releasing from what's holding you back. What is holding right. us back from moving right. forward? And so the word freedom for me all came from, you know, being in a corporate career that I didn't want. I, di I didn't like to be, you know, in a career. And I've said, I love freedom. Freedom is a value of mine. How can I create this messaging that all of us, should have the freedom, okay? And and these seven steps is really to find the way to thrive. How can we move forward? And some of us are surviving right now, but the goal mm. is to thrive, to really go from that space of It's surviving. funny you say that, because I'm working on my second book, and I talk about this exact thing you just talked about, is, okay. you know, in, in, in grief and trauma, they talk about surviving, you know, um, trying to survive. And, and I'm yeah. like, you know, screw that. I don't, I have no desire to survive. Who, who wants I. to just, who wants to just survive, but thrive makes sense. And it sounds like survive. It, 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 it's a good segue, you know, but I've kind of used the word evolution. Now I want to evolve myself. So there's a chapter in my that. book, which coincidentally was my old book called the evolution of self. And it's, it's the concept of when my son died, a part of me certainly died as well, but a part of me was reborn and, and I, I evolved into a different type of person. And it happened again with my wife. And so I'm, I'm trying to tell people out there that when things happen to you, um, sure survival's the foundation. You, you've got to build the basic foundation. Obviously you've got to survive first. Mm -hmm. Then you want to thrive the best you can, but you really want to evolve. You want to shed that skin. You want to really change. And so one of my three tenets of living undeterred, my third one is evolution. And not from, not from a religious like evolution versus religion type thing, but 
more of evolution of the self, evolution of, of you that, you know, I'm not the same person that I was even since you and I last talked. And, and you're not the same person. No. You know, you no. look the same, but you're not. You're different. And right. we shed yeah. skin every day, literally. And we also should shed memories and, and the things that are negative that hold us down. And so I, I like that. I like the thrive. And I like the evolution part of what you're talking about. I think there's a really good compliment there. But that really got my attention when I was reading your book, when you talked about the thriving part. I love the evolution because I we are different because of our situations that happen. Mm -hmm. And we are, I believe, you know, with our challenges, we're reborn, like you said, I am a different person. And I look at life differently since my daughter having passed away. And the lessons of life, the lessons mm -hmm. that, that I've learned. And that's why my second book will be all about how do you navigate through loss? Mm. And how, how can you go from pain to peace? Yeah, because I think through that. people want to template where you open it up and say, this happened, this is what you do. And <laughs> there could be 8 million books on grieving. It's not going to matter. Uh, each person's got to get their own unique way. I know when Kubler-Ross came out with their stages of grief, we yes, studied back in college. Look. Yep. You know, I went back when I wrote my book and looked at the the stages of grief and the words have even evolved. We don't even use some of the same words that, that she was using and same in the same definitions. And I noticed they were out of the order. You know, I, I didn't grieve in the order that, that she said you grieved. I mean, some, some things I you did don't. were just so backwards, you know, like acceptance and shock and all that. There, there was just such a, and bargaining all these different things that she has, they weren't in the same order that I think she had talked about in her book. And, and so, um, I think that's important that the grief, the, the pro processing grief is such a personal thing, but let's get into the E. So we have the yep. F R and now we have back to back E. So let's get to the first E in freedom. Okay. So the first E is evaluation. It's looking okay. at the bigger picture. It's, it's looking at where have you made progress? Where is your progress been? Where are you going? And so it's really assessing your system, assessing your, you know, in your life, what has worked for you, what has not worked for you, but it's stepping back really and looking at the bigger picture instead of looking at the problem. I look at it this way, just evaluate where you are right now, but where you were got you to where you are now, okay? Mm -hmm. And we're gonna make changes in life. So you, you wanna go through an evaluation process. And you know, when I was in my corporate career, I was evaluating what did I wanna do? I don't want to be here. And I had to really look at, I looked at my skills. I looked at my strengths. What did I desire? You know, what were my passions? And I really evaluated that and looked at the whole big picture and really visualized where I saw myself going. And so you want to really look at that and step into the bigger picture instead of having a tunnel vision. How do we do that? Well, one of the things that I always recommend is um, creating a vision for yourself. Um, it's really writing down your goals. Okay. What you want is that to a vision board, for. basically a vision board. Uh, I don't know if you've done them, but I've done them. I host vision board workshops and it's mm. really creating visual images of what you want to bring into your life. And it's not just putting pretty pictures on a board. It's mm -hmm. really intentional with what do you want to bring in and really having that picture of your life. 
And so mm -hmm. when you talk about evaluation, it's really viewing that, really looking at this is what I want to do and stepping back to looking at that. So that's one tool. Um, another tool is really, you know, with goals, because I talk about that in the book is about goals. It's writing it down. So even with the value, with the valuation, it's write down what you want, journal it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm firm believer in journaling, meditation, all of that. Yeah. The visualization are some tools. Uh, I've also done Reiki. Reiki is a whole nother um, aspect, but I love the journaling. I love the meditating. I, I pray, you know, as well. But for those of you here that are listening, it's really stepping back and looking at your progress because we've made progress and it could be one little thing that you've made a progress in. But look at everything you've done. It's so the that's, penguin steps, right? <laughs> it's the penguin steps. I love that. I know I love that metaphor, the penguin steps, because I look at it's small baby steps. What can you do every day right. moving closer to what you desire? Yeah, and I think one and you're a life purpose coach. I wanna I wanna have you talk about what that actually means. Um, because I've had high performance coaches on, I've had you know, okay. life coaches, and there's, it seems like there's a lot of names out there, but I'm not sure there if there's are. a lot of overlap in, in those different types of titles. But um, I've always been more curious in how do we attain, not how we attain, but how do we stay on top of the mountain? So getting there is often not the hardest part. And losing weight, you know, those type of things are fine, but then you wonder why someone just, puts on all that weight back very quickly because lots of fads and diets and, and things to shortcuts don't, don't work. But how would you answer the question? Okay, Tina, I want to hire you as my life purpose coach. I, I'm hiring you to make sure I stay on top of my life, not to get anywhere. I'm not, I don't, I don't have goals. Like I don't, I don't want to get to X. Uh, I feel like I'm already there. I want to stay there. I don't want to go backwards. So I, what do you do as a life purpose coach to get people to maintain where they're at, not to actually try to get somewhere? Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. I do. And, you know, it's your daily habits. It's right. discipline. It's how motivated are you to stay there? Like how bad? Like you lost 20 pounds. Right. Okay. So let's say that was a goal. I've lost the 20 pounds. I look good. I feel good. Okay. It's the habits the daily habits that we implement in our life every day that will keep you at that place. So what will it be for me to stay losing the pounds? Having lost 20 pounds, I want to maintain that, right? Well, it's the daily habits of I, I know what I got to do, eat healthier, exercise regimen, mindset, because I also, you know, I'm going to talk about mindset in my book here, but mindset has a lot to do. Like, how do we talk to ourselves every day? Mm-hmm. What will, what fuels us? Like, why do we want to have that weight? How do we feel about ourselves? What's, is, is so important. What's the biggest well. thing that sabotages us? Is it self-doubt? Is it self-criticism? Is it that, that person inside of us that's kind of the negative person that's... It is. Um, it's self-doubt. It's self-doubt for me. Um, it's that inner critic. I call it the head trash. We, you know, we keep saying bad things to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then you motivate, then you get tempted, tempted. Oh, I really want to have that piece of cake. Uh, you know, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll worry about it tomorrow. It goes right. back to 
your, you know, okay, your mindset, say, I know this is what I want to do. It's, it's discipline. I think it's discipline. And it really is that inner critic that we need to shift our thoughts to think differently. And, um, but it takes, it takes discipline. It takes those it, daily. It does, habits. especially, especially when some of these things that you talk about aren't happening overnight. And so you can look in the mirror and say, I want to lose 10 pounds. And then two days later, you look the same and your weight's the same, but you're busting your ass, you know, working out. And there isn't that immediate gratification. And today we live in a very short uh, world where there's instant gratification. I mean, TikTok videos are 15 seconds or whatever it is. I mean, it's people are moving on to the next thing. There's there's no commitment to discipline anymore. And that's probably one of the reasons why we have such a mental health issue in our country is the discipline for personal mental health, you know, the meditation, you know, I've got friends of mine that haven't meditated yet. Why? Well, I just don't have time in the morning. Okay. I, I don't believe anybody doesn't have time for something if they don't prioritize it. I mean, you, I, was just I swear I could find time Yep. in my busiest day I've ever had in my life. I could find 15 minutes to meditate. I just don't want to. I think, I think that people are making that as an excuse. I don't have time. Right. And it's an excuse. It's an easy excuse. It's a way out. Right. And you will find the time when something is so important to you. You'll find the time. You'll make the time. Right. And it's and it's really, okay, you know, put it in your calendar. I'm committed. It, it, it's commitment versus just interested that I'm just mm-hmm. going to do something. But how committed are you to that? How bad do you want something? You know, I made a commitment. I wanted to leave my corporate career uh, back in 2018. I was committed and I took action and created daily habits to get to that goal. One of the problems is the difficulties for us to see short-term pain is long-term gain. And it's difficult for us to see what our life looks like six months down the road. You know what? I mean, if, if, if each one of us took six months and really focused on a few things, whether it's strengthening your mind through meditation, reading, you know, yoga, whatever you want to do, and you did it, you know, I don't think six months it becomes a habit. What's the old saying? 21 days or something? There's a, there's a they saying out there. 21 days. It is it 21 days? Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if you did six months of something, you know, not every day, but you really were focused on it, you know? Uh, and quite often it's, it's not three, four hours a day. It's sometimes it's five, 10 minutes, you know, 15 minutes. Um, especially yeah. at my age, you know, I'm 55. It's like, I can't have two hour workouts like I used to, you know, and now I'm just looking at my calorie counting and look at how many miles I went. I don't, I don't look at the intensity of the workout anymore. It's like, I could be sitting on my couch. So anything I'm doing is better than that, you know? That's right. And one thing I've, one thing talk about penguin steps where I really love this. I got from Mike. Um, is when I run on my elliptical, I trick myself because if I knew I was going to run for an hour and a half, let's say, I probably wouldn't do it. So mm-hmm. I set my clock at like 20 minutes okay. and I get to like 17 and 18. Then I bump it up to 30 and I get to 25. I bump it up to 40. And so what I do is my first resistance barrier, I set my clock at a certain time. And then when I get close to it, then I just keep adding it. So it's like, I remember when... <laughs> My dad used to train Labrador retrievers, okay. used to train puppies, dogs. And this will sound humane now, or this will sound cruel, but this was back when I was a child, a kid, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. 
But my dad used to take these Labradors out in the boat with, with our boat, and he would put them in the water, and he would run the boat like five feet from them and let them swim. And the dog didn't know how far he was out from shore. He just saw the boat. So he kept swimming right to the boat. My dad kept going further and further. And the dog didn't know how far he was swimming. He was just thinking about trying to catch the boat. And that's, you know, I know Labradors know how to swim anyway, naturally. But that's how my, my dad was teaching the dogs to, and I don't know what the actual story is in that. But it, it's interesting when you think about it where sometimes if you focus on something like I do, I'm not focusing on an hour and a half run. I'm focusing on getting to 20 minutes and then 30, then 35, then 40. Like the dog was just trying to catch the boat. I just think there's a story in that as we set goals. You know, maybe it's just break things down those penguin steps again. You know, don't look at losing 20 pounds, lose one and then lose two and then lose four baby steps. (laughs) Right. It's those small baby steps. You know, I'm reading a book right now, Atomic Habits. Yeah, I read it by James Clear. Yeah. And great book. And he talks about that one percent. Yeah. And it's what can you do every day that's a little bit better? Yeah. You know, um, like if you want to make calls. Okay, instead of 50 calls, do 10, do five, do, do one. one. Yeah. <laughs> Even one is better yep. than doing zero. So those are right. the things we talk about. So um, that's what evaluation is really about. It's really looking at your progress, evaluating what can you implement, what can you reflect on, what can you change are those uh, steps. So we have faith, release, evaluation. What's the next E in freedom? Energy. I love All right. this one. <laughs> I um, like that one. Everything is energy, I believe. Um, and it's where we're putting our attention on, okay? Mm-hmm. And whatever we focus on expands. So for me, I talk about in the book about money. Money is energy, but we're all energy. And we bring things in our life through energetically. And so it's really that, that are we focusing on the good things? Are we focusing on the negative? Where's our energy going? Where are we focusing on our attention Mm -hmm. on all the time? Our activities, our, our life, you know, are we looking like, for example, is our energy focusing on what's going on in the world right now with the COVID and and Mm -hmm. everything around the COVID? Or are we focusing on healthy habits? You know, are we are we working on how can we be positive? How can we shift our thoughts to think differently? So where are we putting our energy is so important that has to do with the freedom that I want. So where where have. do where do distractions come into play? Because with the way things are today, with you know, geez, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, Snapchat, Netflix, Hulu, Prime, you know, network TV, you know, just. It just never ends. I mean, it, the hardest thing for people to do today is to be bored. The just hardest do thing is to be bored, to do nothing, because they have to always do something. Well, then they have to talk to the one person they don't want to talk to, and that's themselves. Yep, exactly. No, nobody it, wants to talk to themselves because that's too terrifying. Right, you right, know? right. Yeah. So your question is, well, how does distractions? Well, yeah. yes, distractions, those time wasters that we that we have in our life, how can we, well... I think it really goes back to, again, discipline and not allow the distractions. Yeah. Like, for example, set an intention. I, I'm not going to watch the news. I'm going to turn off the news and make it a habit. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to watch the news because it's distracting me 
and turning me into a different person. Mm -hmm. And I'm allowing what they're saying into my inner being. And fear can come in because, you know, it's all about fear when we watch that as well. And we start to think differently. So the distractions is, it goes back to, again, what am I going to focus on? I don't want to be in that direction. And it's really, again, personal intentions. We make a decision every day to choose what we want to do. We can choose our attitude. We can choose mm -hmm. to turn off the TV. We can choose what mm -hmm. we want to eat. We can. You know, we can't. Yeah, we, uh, we can't choose the weather. We can't choose. You know, it's how we react to different situations. So we can choose how to react. Yeah. Um, I had a question I was going to ask you. I'll remember now, but this is my attention deficit. So I've got so many okay. questions I want to ask you. But okay, okay, so we'll keep moving. So okay. Uh, so we energy was was what you said. So they were on D. So yep. Freedom. Determination. We've got faith. Release. Evaluation, evaluation and energy. energy. You have to help energy. me remember these. <laughs> yes, energy. And then the and so D. D's, what's determination. D? Okay. So determination here, it's that whatever obstacle you go through, how determined are you to make it make it through? Mm -hmm. You know, I was determined to get out of corporate. I was frustrated, unhappy, and fulfilled. And I made a decision I needed to be out. And I was determined that I was going to do no matter what it took to make mm -hmm. it happen. So when we're fueled by our passion, we are gonna be determined to do whatever it takes, no matter what. And, and it really goes back to here, it's knowing our why. Why are we doing what we're doing? Mm -hmm. What is fueling us to move forward? That no matter what, yeah, I we're say, gonna make it. When you find your why, you'll find your way. Way, yeah, when you find you know, your why, you'll find it, your way. It like it Absolutely. reveals itself, you know? It does. And it may take 50 years, it may take, you know, 70, I don't know. Uh, but I think that is, that's so key about trying to find, you know, balance and peace and harmony in your life is you find a passion. And there's so much written on finding a passion, but I think it finds you. I, 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 I don't think you can find a passion. I think that's an illusion again. You. Yeah, I just, yeah. I don't think you can sit around going, okay, what's my passion? What 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 I want what's what what I want to do the rest of my life, I think and in my case it yeah. certainly revealed me. Uh, I loved doing investments. I loved for thirty two years since I was twenty three being my own boss. You know, just having my own everything, clients, schedule. Um, it was great, but then a life event happened, and all of a sudden my real passion fell on my lap, and it came in the form of death. And I had a, a meeting a couple of months ago, and we'd go around the room. It was kind of similar to an AA meeting, and everybody had to say what they're grateful for. And I'm trying to be creative and think, well, what can I say to make a point? I don't want to be grateful for, you know, my, my parents and my cat. And my, you know, my, my, I wanted to be a little bit more creative than that. Everyone's, everyone's grateful for that. Yes. So I said, I'm grateful for death. Yeah, that, well, you hear a pin drop. It's like, huh? <laughs> they must have you know, because like, they knew what happened to me. But they're like, how can this guy possibly be grateful for death? And the way I went back to framing it, and which is a little bit what we talked about a few minutes ago, was, you know, first of all, it's happening to all of us. <laughs> we have this false expectation that 
I understand death is going to happen to all of us, but it's just not going to happen to me. You know, it's just not going to happen to people around me, but you know, it does. And it doesn't always happen in the right order. And, and so I, I just reframed it as I was grateful for what death did to make me a better human, not a bitter human. And so determination, as you mentioned with the D, is, you know, resiliency, it's grit, it's undeterred. All those words, I think, kind of are the same thing as determination. But I, I say that's one of the best acronyms in your book is determination. So have you always been this way? I was going to ask you that question. I mean, I know my life story and kind of I've been a type A and I've been a competitive sports person. But it's like, you know, have you always been like determined person where always been resilient or did you have periods of your life where you just struggled and all of a sudden one day you kind of saw the light? You know, my family thinks that I've always been determined and I, I was always a fighter. I was always a take charge. I was always the type of person that, I mean, I, I doubted myself. I had a scarcity mindset. I mm -hmm. really grew up feeling insecure with myself and all of that. And it took years of personal development and, and surrounding myself with the right people. That is also important. You just got me to remember what I forgot. Oh, okay. Toxic what? relationships. Yes. I wanted, I wanted to ask you about that. You just said surrounding the right people and my attention deficit kicked in. Now I remembered, I was going to ask you about the impact of toxic relationships with your freedom acronym. Where would yes. that fit in? Yes. So, all right. So with toxic relationships, yes. So I grew up in toxic relationships in my upbringing. I was always brought up in a family that of scarcity and everything was bad. Instead of good things, it was always bad. Everything was mm -hmm. bad. So some of my toxic relationships were family, mm -hmm. okay, that I had to kind of limit my time with them. And one of them was my father. And he's still alive today, and God bless him. He's great, resilient. I, t I get a lot of his resilience. Um, I get a lot of the resilience from him. Mm -hmm. And the strong the strength is something that he has, and I have strength and resilience. But toxic relationships is something that you really need to look at. And how is it? It's bringing you down, and you really mm -hmm. need to assess your relationship. So when you look at evaluation, too... It's looking at your relationships that you have. Or who so you toxic relationships would fall under the E for evaluation? Yeah, I think yeah, so. I, it could. It, it yeah. could. It could. Because I see that you got to evaluate your friends. Evaluate, you know, okay, so with family, limit some time you have with them and, and create yeah, you boundaries. You can't do much about your family, but you certainly can't You can't do can much about your, your family, <laughs> but you can create boundaries. Like, you yeah, can create boundaries yeah. and say, I'm not going to allow you... To talk politics bring me around down me. <laughs> talk right. Like you really, yep. yeah, you're creating boundaries for yourself, which is yep. so important to do. Interesting. Does that, does that help you? It does. Because when I was going through your freedom, I was trying to think of things you didn't, you know, obviously you have so much time in your book, you can't cover every aspect of, of human psychology. But I was trying to like figure out where certain things would fit in. And toxic relationships is a really big one that I like to talk to about people about mental health because. You know, there's a lot of people who say that, you know, you, you write down on a piece of paper your five closest people that you hang out with, okay? Yes. Your five yes. people you spend most of your time with, mm -hmm. and you'll become those five. You could. And if, if it's five people that are unemployed and doing drugs and breaking into houses and lying to each other and cheating on each other, and that's your f circle of friends, well, then what makes you think that you're going to be the ab the, you know, be the odd one in the group, you know? You, you probably won't be. We gravitate to, to likeness. You know, that's human nature is we, 
we our, our cliques and our groups tend to almost look like us sometimes and act like us and uh, and we become we become who we associate with and toxic relationships especially for adolescents and then I see marriages that you know some of my friends and and I wouldn't say close friends but I know people that are in marriages that are toxic and they're not happy with their lives and it's a tough one you know how do you get out of a toxic relationship is tough it's hard it is hard it is hard and you know I was in a you know a marriage that I wasn't happy with and it was kind of toxic I was unhappy now there was no abuse or anything like that yeah. um but it was toxic in the sense that I you know not appreciated not valued things like that but I made a decision because like you know it's going back to your inner self like what do I want mm -hmm. where do I see myself going mm -hmm. and it's making that decision and moving forward and and not looking back for me not looking back was great to do in that situation not everybody can do that for me it's really it's knowing yourself like knowing what you want and what you want to achieve and and knowing who you are as a person and your beliefs okay um mm -hmm. which is in my mindset that i talk about but um so that's where i think toxic relationships would be in valuation yeah i mean again you look at so many so many of these um books like yours that are that have these you know what i think are pretty clear steps you know you follow these steps you should have a pretty good pretty good life right but then if you're an alcoholic or if you do drugs or if you're a compulsive gambler or whatever your addiction or substance use disorder is when you sprinkle that in to the foundation of some of these you know ideas or um, books it crumbles and it's very difficult to maintain any semblance of a happy life when you're drunk all the time or you're doing drugs all the time or you're lying all the time you know yes. I, and i'm not yes. just going to I'm not, I'm not just trying to be disparaging towards addicts or alcoholics, but people lie a lot too that don't do drugs and don't drink. So it's like, but those unhealthy aspects of your, of your life can really, you know, poison your success at trying to be a happy person, you know? Right. It does. And that's why it mental does. health is such a big deal in our country. It's just, there's just really so is. many, there's so many things that are picking away at people's quality of their life and it's not just sometimes one thing it's a number of things and it is you know I, is. I i think i like your i like your seven i like your the freedom acronym because it's easy to um to understand and Good. but there's other things outside of it that you really have to get un, under control and a lot of it's your addiction and substance abuse issues that we have in our country Absolutely. And what you're doing uh, is absolutely so much needed, amazing. And you, you're going to help so many people um, coming from that. And you've experienced it and your story is so powerful to share. And that's the thing, too. Our stories, our experiences that we've had. And we need to share our message to the people, to others, because there's so many people that are going through such difficult times right now. Yeah, and and you're you know you're not on my show because of your story. You're on my show because of the actions that you're taking from your story. And yes. living undeterred is what I'm trying to show people. I'm not I'm not teaching anything. I'm not, I'm not a. That's the last thing I'm trying to do. I'm trying to show people how to be yeah. undeterred. And yep. you know by doing what I'm doing, it's proof that you can have the worst possible things happen to you in your life, yet still 
be in awe of life and in reverence of death at the same time. You know, I, I've, I've, I have just as much respect for death as I do my awe and my love for life. Um, and it's not a fear of death. It's a respect for it. And that respect makes me be grateful for just even having a conversation with you today is special because I may not be here tomorrow. This may be the last conversation I ever have ever. You know, when I see my son, you know, half an hour ago, I think to myself, I may never see him again, you know, and that's not a perverse way to live. It's just a realistic way to live. And that's, that's my first foundation of the living on a certain mindset is realistic is real having realistic expectations, you know, and I think we run through life just with this fantasy world belief, comparing ourselves, you know, to everybody that's successful. And I do that. I'm guilty of it. You talk about imposter syndrome in your book. I read that part and I chuckled because again, I think imposter syndrome has been great for me because I want to get better. I see a, I see someone doing a podcast better than me. I'm not pissing and moaning. I I call Molly and I go, I want a new microphone. I want a new camera. I want, to me, imposter syndrome is a good thing, it but, is a good thing. but for some people, for many people and the way it's presented in the media is it's a bad thing. Just like attention deficit is a bad thing. These, these, these aren't, I don't think we have to accept these as truths. I really don't. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good point that you make. I know, you know, the, for me, the imposter syndrome. Yeah. It's, it's been really like, I've always been doubt. I've doubted myself. I mm-hmm. look at other people thinking they're better. I, had the comparison, you know, mm-hmm. comparison sabotage. And that was right. one of the, my, my, my sabot, you know, sabotaging, um, behaviors that I had was comparing myself. And I really, that's work had to be work in progress and talking to myself and really thinking differently, like know your value. I know what my value is, what my message, we're all unique. We all have different mm-hmm. stories. We all have different gifts and talents right. to share. Okay. So that's What's the, the O? Okay. Oh, we're almost done. Optimism. <laughs> oh, so optimism, it's, it's similar to determination in the sense that being optimistic, again, you're weathering the ups and downs of life. And what are the strategies that you're going to implement in whatever's going on with you? And it's really about having that mentality, you know, the, that you're weathering the ups and downs, no matter what you go through. And it's being optimistic. Now, can you have, can you be optimistic all the time? No. Right. That's, no. that's the toxic positivity that I hear about. Yes. Okay. Being you too can't. positive. Right. And I'm not trying here to be Pollyanna. Oh, you could be yeah. optimistic every day. No. Right. Life happens. We react differently. Depends, you know, how do you react to situations? But can we look at things? Okay. When you said earlier, what happens to me or for me? Mm-hmm. So if we look at the situation that at hand, like when I lost my daughter, when I lost my job, I looked at it, two different situations, but when I lost my job, I said, okay, a door just closed here, but another door is going to be open. I mm-hmm. don't know how, but it's going to be. Yeah, always. I was optimistic that something was going to open up. So it's really being optimistic that things are going to work out the way they're meant to work out. How is that different than faith? So faith for me came, it was more of that believing in God. Okay. Okay. For you, um, right? For me. Yeah. For me. Yep. Okay. Because yep. uh, when I, you know, when I wrote the book and I was thinking about the word freedom, I'm like, okay, what do I want to say for F? And it's, it's that faith, that believing in myself, but believing in mm-hmm. God or believing in a higher power, no matter what you believe in. Yeah. Or not. 
the higher power thing don't. is is interesting because I know in Alcoholics Anonymous that they now talk a lot about the higher power. Yeah, that's what um, I heard too. Because yes. I have known people, my wife included, that didn't want to go to A meetings because it was too much of a religious, you know, godly spin to it. Okay. Um, and now they've kind of sensed that pullback because uh, you know we're, we are a more secular country. Um, there's no question uh, that there's, right. there's more secular people than there are religious people, at least from the, from the trends standpoint, you know, yes. which one's grown faster in the last 20 years for, for yes. millions of reasons. But, right. um, so I optimism and faith, I'm thinking to myself, what, what's the difference? And I think faith does probably have a little more spiritual, a little more spiritual, um, it has more of a spiritual um, that it's the foundation in believing that there's a higher power. There's something yeah. more than me. Right. That, okay, that, um, and that's what it, to me, that's what it means. And for the yeah. listeners here, it may mean something else. So optimism um, would be more that, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that if I do what I need to do today, you know, if I need to work out, eat healthy, sever toxic relationships. I'm optimistic if I, if I follow the process mm -hmm. that I'll chain, I'll reach my goals that I want in my life. You know, that, that, that's kind of optimism, right? Yeah. That's how I see it too. Because when you're looking at how, okay, how am I going to handle this situation? Mm -hmm. What, what are the strategies that I'm going to implement? You know, what are the actions that I'm going to, what are the tools that I would need? You know, for example, we'll go back to losing weight, right? What are the tools I need? to lose the way? What are the strategies that I'm going to put in place? What's the plan of action? So it's, I will tell you that when I meet people that are, that are just optimistic, they're magnets, man. I mean, they, you just want to be around them. You just, you just kind of want to hang around them. You want to have lunch with them. You want to talk to them. And, and then you meet people that aren't that optimistic and you just don't want to be around them. At least I don't. Um, you don't, you don't, I don't, they, you don't. And you, you see things, they see things like everything that's happening. It's, it's like, to them. It's, it's to, to them. them. They're looking yep. at it to them. Oh, poor yep. me. I can't believe this is happening to me. Right. What's going on. It's always somebody else's fault. It's the economy. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's everybody else. I used to tell my boys when they were younger, I said, you know, these, I call these people emotional vampires mm. and they would just suck onto you and take everything from you. Because they want to drag you down, down to their level of misery and despair. That's right. And you need to just exercise them like it's a like it's a demon or a vampire, you know, and, and literally cut ties with these people. Because, you know, my my boys have been in uh, one of them has been in a very toxic relationship, and it was difficult. And um, the minute he drew a line in the sand and and walked away from it, you know, it, after a little bit of a bump. It, his life got substantially better. Now he looks back at that point in his life. He's like, dude, I waited so, so I waited too long, dad. Oh, we all do. It's, it's, it's called life lesson. You know, you just don't want to repeat it too many times, but. Exactly. Um, but the know. main thing is that he made the decision and he did, he made a decision and said, that's it. I'm done. I, and I'm moving forward. Yeah. And it, the timing had to have been right. So, um, so does that help you with optimism comparing that? It does. Yeah, it does. Okay. Because um, I like to think of myself as an eternal optimist, but uh, I, I have really bad moments. Um, I, 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 can, I can look in the mirror and tell myself I've never been depressed, but I've had very intense depressive moments. 
Me too. And, you know, just as recent as four months ago, I had suicidal ideation, which is shocking for people that know me. Okay. Uh, just four months ago, you know. Wow. Four years after my son died. You know, why didn't okay. I have that four minutes after he died, you know? But there's a story to that, and I tell it often. But my point is, is that optimism is important to me. And to me, I do the penguin steps every day. And the reason why I, f I considered these terrifying thoughts four months ago is because I took shortcuts. And so I, I talk about penguin steps, you know, make sure I meditate, eat in the morning, pretty good in the morning, work yep. out over lunch, you know, eat a healthy dinner, get my eight hours of sleep, you know, don't watch any TV at all. I don't watch any TV. I watch all Netflix documentaries, things that I, things that I can control the narrative, okay. but I'm not going to sit and watch Fox news poison my brain or CNN or any of that stuff. Even if they're right, I don't care. I'd rather be dumb and be happy than be smart and be miserable and anxious mm. and nervous. But I'd be, but I'm smarter. I, I've always wondered why people think they need to know everything, you know, I and know, then, I and then they're just anxious too. all day about China and about we're, we're going to become a socialistic country and our dollar is going to lose its purchasing power and blah, blah, blah. Okay. What are you going to do about it today? Nothing. <laughs> you can't Nothing. control. This is, goes back to what we were saying earlier. We cannot control the outcomes of different situations. We have to let go and, and, and it's going to work out the way it's meant. And we, you know, and whatever's happening, we can't control. It's not happening in our own world right now. Yeah. We can control yeah. certain things, but okay. okay. M last, M. Uh, last four or five minutes. What's M? All right. Last four or five minutes. Mindset. So mindset, it all begins right here. Our head trash, our thoughts, getting into our actions and which leads to results. And it all begins with having that healthy sound mindset. We either can have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. Mm -hmm. Are we looking for the, towards the problem all the time or are we looking at the solution? And this stems a lot, our mindset comes a lot from our beliefs. And I talk about that in the book mm -hmm. is our limiting beliefs that hold us back. Mm -hmm. and, and I think of mindfulness when you say that. Yeah, you know, mindfulness. When you, when, you, when you say your, you know, your mind what comes to my mind is mindfulness, you know, being yes. aware of things and your thoughts and, and less judgmental. I think yes. it's so easy for us to identify with our thoughts to a fault. You know, you have a, a sad thought come in and it's easy to get really attached to it. And yes. now I start thinking about how my son, when he was a child or, or maybe some play he was in and I start dragging myself down and I start adding more painful memories. And the next thing you know, I'm, I'm really down. You know, I, yes. I don't want to go out with my friends tonight. I just want to sit around and feel sorry for myself. And it's like being mindful. Now I've learned to say, I don't have to identify with that initial thought. I, I don't have to attach myself to yeah. this thought. I can let it go and die as quickly as it came into my mind. That's right. And that's one thing mindfulness has really taught me is just less identification with, with not even, I'm not even taking ownership of a lot of thoughts to pop into my head. It's like, they're not mine. It's like, I'm, it's like someone's next, next, next to me. And somehow I rob their thought and I'm just going to give it back to them. You right, know, it's like, right, and that's right. why I'm not taking ownership of it. And right. for me it works. And I know for some people they can't, they, I know. Um, a lot of people really struggle, especially in grief therapy, when they like to go back and, and read diaries of their kids or look at pictures and stuff. And I can't say I haven't done it, but at this point right now, unless I can derive some something positive from it, 
mm. I'm probably not going to do it. You know, if I can't, okay. Okay. if I can't go into it knowing that something good's going to come out of it, I'm probably not going to go into it. Okay. And you know, you make an interesting point because yes, uh, in grief, you look at the pictures, you remember mm -hmm. the memories and mm -hmm. they bring you down. It brings mm -hmm. you down and you start to get sad. The sadness comes in and then, but what I've done is, is shifting and saying, okay, a moment it's okay to be sad, but don't continue to stay in that place. Right. Is right. what so has helped me. This has been great. This has been one of the fastest hours I've ever done on the podcast. It's great <laughs> to go through your acronym. Um, what are some words of wisdom you would throw out there for people watching this that, you know, need to, um, to maybe look at life and thrive a little bit more and not just be in survival mode? What is, and I'm talking just business too. So what are some words of wisdom you would throw out there? I just think that um, really believing in yourself and, and knowing that you have gifts, that we all have gifts and to value ourselves and that life is really short and to cherish every day. You just said it really clearly earlier. This could be our last day on earth. And so mm -hmm. why not make your dreams a reality and hold on to your dream and go after your dreams, go after them because Life, you know, it, it just can change in a blink of an eye. My daughter used to say that in a blink of an eye, mom, every, everything can change and it can. So your life can be changed in a blink of an eye. Well, so grab it, grab your dreams, make it a reality and get happier. Well, you're making your daughter very proud by living an inspired life. And um, I really you. appreciate the time you've taken to be on the show. And I'm sure people are going to going to reach out. And oh, by the way, let's talk real quickly. Um, yes. Your book is uh, Freedom, Seven Steps to Thrive in Life and in Business. Yes, it's on and, Amazon. Yep. And then how can people reach you about your coaching program? Okay. So my website is uh, www.lifeisideal.com, all one word. And you can learn more about my programs. You can grab a copy of my book there and um, schedule a 30-minute clarity call with me as well and would love to connect with any anyone who really is looking to make a change in their life or business and really want to be happier and more fulfilled and get that joy that we all um deserve we well, do thanks deserve. tina really appreciate Thank your you. time today this has been a lot of fun uh, i'm sure i will be chatting with you down the road so again thanks for being on the living on the third podcast i appreciate it thank you so much for having me it's been an honor